You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Take your Bible, your copy of God's Word this morning. If you didn't bring your copy, take a pew Bible in front of you and find the New Testament book of Philippians, uh, the fourth chapter. Uh, There are a lot of things kind of going on in the the life of the church Uh, as far as activities. Today we're having a a fellowship meal right after our service in our fellowship hall. We've got some uh, church business and ministry, I like to call, that we need to take care of and it's just part of the process and the great ministry we have as a congregational church and that type of thing. Uh, We're also going to utilize that time to kind of reflect a little bit and be encouraged uh, about our history and some of the decisions that we're making involves uh, some buildings and things uh, of the past and so we're going to be celebrating and remembering. Uh, We also, today is the, uh, the 21st day uh, of the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and um, it, 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 it did exactly what I knew it would do. Uh, for those that were part of it, God did something in your life, didn't he? Uh, you'd be surprised a number of people that came to me and said, you know, uh, we're going to keep doing this. We, we're, you know, a couple of folks have said we, we want to keep praying and we want to keep gathering. And several people have come to me and said, you know, something as simple as just setting aside time, doing away with something uh, in order to seek the face of the Lord for 21 days. Now, you know, and uh, it's kind of one of those things as a pastor, I, I tend to be a little sarcastic, and I know that's not a spiritual gift. And I'm going to probably have to spend a little bit more time before the Lord than others dealing with that uh, in, in heaven. But it is one of those things that it's like if you did it, you enjoyed it, and God did something in your life. If you were not able to participate and really yield to it, then it didn't. It's just that simple. Uh, But we did not come together as churches to do 21 days just so that we could do 21 days. The idea was, hey, let's come together and and let's do 21 days so that God can do a work in our life and we can keep going. You know, it's it's like today, you know, we're we're coming today and we are going to reflect and remember some of the things that have taken place in our life in the past. But we're going to keep going. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, so the whole chapter today, so hold on and buckle up. In Philippians 4, we see Paul in in arrest, kind of a house arrest type thing in, in jail for being a believer. And he encourages the church, listen, okay, I'm in jail, but don't don't worry about me. Keep going. You know, we've got this. Some of us may even be here today and and thinking about the 21 days. It's day 21. What do we do with day 22? What now? 
We've got a, a piece of historical history in our, in our church that we're no longer utilizing. What now? Well, I hope today you'll understand the what now. And just the sheer joy and excitement we have to know Christ now and to keep living for him. And so I really, in a good way, agonize. Sharon always can tell when I'm agonizing on the text, when I pace around the house all day long, just pacing and pacing. And even early this morning, I was just agonizing in a great way over, you know, a whole chapter in an hour and a half. How can I squeeze that in? So this is what I want to do. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Three verses we know. Three verses we may be able to recite, write out, preach. But do we really know what they mean and how it should affect the way that we live our life now and forever? Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that for the truth that is within it, the, the promises of your word and the spirit of God opening up our hearts and our mind to, to who you are and who we are in relationship to who you are and how that changes our life for the good and for your glory to live a life of meaning and purpose and direction. So Lord, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for inspiring him to write your word, not only to the church of Philippi, but the church of Avon Park here today. And allow us to hear it and believe it, receive it, embrace it, and live it out. And this we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. As always, I, I, I should say always, I've started several weeks ago. If, if you do have a, a smartphone or some type of device, a tablet, you can go to pastorjohnbeck.com. That's just a collection of my notes and sermon stuff, and I make my outline available. When it's an entire chapter in just a few minutes, it is helpful to be able to go and, and to hear and listen and reflect on that. So if you do have a smartphone, it may be handy. I don't provide an outline, but you've got my sermon notes. It's not my manuscript. It is just my notes. Verse 1. We've heard these verses. We've written them out. We've, we've talked about them. We've misquoted them and misused them. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say what? Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. How is it that Paul can say, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, when things in his life are not the way that we would think they needed to be? Arrested for being a believer, in Rome, at the time thinking that he was facing death, but yet, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It, and it, it appears to be a, a heartfelt, passionate plea as he is writing to the church. Oh, that we may have this type of joy or this type of peace. Let's look at this 
entire section as we think about this verse. Verse 5 of Philippians 4. Let your reason must be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. Yes, that is there. Circle it. Anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, again, circle that. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That's great prayer life right there. You're praying, you're asking, you're requesting with thanksgiving that in everything let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoicing always. What is the key to that? How does, how does Paul do that? How can Paul say that and mean it? Well, notice verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That word reasonable is how you react to circumstances. I've, I've often said this. Here's a, a great theological truth I mentioned several months ago, and I, I can't get rid of it. We're all a tube of toothpaste. When we get squozened, I made that up. When you squeeze us, something comes out. We're fine when everything's going our way. Let a little pressure come in our life and see what happens. And I don't remember who, but one of you deep theologians as well responded back by email. Yeah, and you can't put it back in the tube when it's out either. Let your, your reasonableness, if you're a born-again believer, now a lost person's not going to be able to do this, so just quit, you know, you need to get saved and then you can do it. I mean, sometimes people come into my office and I just can't get this life figured out. And after about three or four of those sessions, I said, the problem is you need to get saved. Because you're trying to do something that the Spirit is within you that you can't do unless the Spirit is in you. So you need to get born again and give your life to Christ and really get serious about what it means to be His and the Spirit will abide within you. Then you can do it. Let your, your reason must be known to everyone. Reasonless, how you treat others, how we respond to others. Our actions and our attitude, our, our behavior, our character, it's basically just kind of who we are. Who we are in an unguarded moment. That's good. Who we are on the Walmart aisle. I'm about to write a book about Walmart theology, I guess. You're, you're on the Walmart aisle and no one's on the aisle but you and your other a friend or child or spouse. And you just kind of get to that breaking point, you know? Nobody understands you. Nobody gets it. How many times do I have to tell you? You just kind of let loose. You think nobody's working you know, around you, and then a church member comes around the corner. No, they heard it. Now, I'm not the one that's doing it. I'm always the one catching y'all. <laughs> An unguarded moment. That's who we really are. Not when the pastor's around, not when you're in Sunday school class, not when, you know, your, your churchy friends are around you. Your reasonableness is known, reasonable known to everyone. It's what you do and how you act when nobody's around. It's just the real you. And if we're a believer, we can fix that. We can overcome that. We can change that. We'll get to Paul in a minute. If Paul can change, any of us can change. Jesse was talking about being a 
I think it was Jesse. Yeah, Jesse was six. Jesse's just as saved as I am. You ever thought about that? Paul was just as saved as I am. Famous great missionaries and theologians and pastors in the past, they're just as saved as I am. They got the same gospel, the same Christ, the same spirit, the same word, the same thing. They're just as saved as I I can do it. If, If they can do it, I can do it. We haven't been called to do the same thing, but if anyone can live a holy life, I can live a holy life. If anyone can be reasonable, surely I can be reasonable. It goes on to say, why? The Lord is at hand. One of my favorite Old Testament verses found in Psalm is Psalm 1611. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence, Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. You know what that word presence means in the Hebrew? Face. In your face is fullness of joy. You want to find true joy? Get in the face of the gospel. Get in the face of the Lord. Be so close to the Lord and his presence that you you understand none of this matters. The only important thing I have is my relationship with him. We do that a lot on earthly terms. You notice that when you know, we, we slow down and take a deep breath and you think about my wife, my children, my kids, my family. And you think, you know what, I've got everything that means that. That's all that matters. We do it a lot on earthly terms. But guess what? The only thing that really matters, even beyond that, is my walk with Christ in his face. You fast and pray for 21 days, you'll get to a point of the closeness and the nearness of the Lord. You haven't been in a while. It's a great place to be, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing. Gosh, don't you wish you could reword some of the things in Scripture? Be anxious for these things. I can be anxious for this. No, be anxious for what? Nothing. Worry, fret, consumed. Anxious is the idea of you're spending time, wasting valuable time about something that is outside of your control. That's a great word for anxious. You ever get your mind kind of heavy and you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, you can't figure out why you can't sleep and tell everybody, well, there's nothing going on, I'm all right, but you just can't go to sleep. You're anxious, you're worried, you're, you're consumed about things that are outside of your control and that is unhealthy. That does not mean that we don't have a concern or some wisdom about things that we need to be aware of. We're not talking about that. But it's just consumed and anxious. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with a spirit of thanksgiving. So instead of being anxious, we're going to pray. We're in the face of our Father, and we're going to pray, and we're going to lift up these concerns, and we're going to lift up these worries, and we're going to lift up these things that may make us be anxious, but we're going to do so in a spirit of what? Thanksgiving. That's hard to do, isn't it? It's very hard to do. But yet it's something we're striving that we're learning to do. I'm anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, 
I'm, I'm reasonable, I'm not anxious, I'm praying. And then the peace of God, that lack of conflict, that nearness, that I know that I am His. It's that aha, tingly moment and you say, life is good. I'm going to be okay. God is who He says He is. The gospel is enough. It's that moment where you just reflect and you slow down and you remember. He is God. And it says that it will guard, notice what it says, it surpasses all understanding. It's kind of like trying to explain to someone the goodness and the, you know, it's trying to explain to someone why you have joy. A lost person never going to understand why we have joy. It surpasses all understanding. Even as a believer, the peace of God is beyond our understanding. But when we are there, we understand it because we're in the face of our Father. And it says it will guard your heart. Literally, it will be in chains to your heart. Well, what a great prayer. Lord, give me that peace. That rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Lord, give me that, that sense of joy that Paul had. And let me have that peace that passes all understanding. One of our prayer times here at 12 o'clock, I, I think I said it in my prayer and we got talking about it. All these things that we struggle with, hate and violence and racism and political bigotry and all these things that are out there that we're trying to deal with that we can't understand. Listen, those are symptoms of a fallen world. Those are symptoms of sinful people. Don't worry about those things focus on the peace that passes all understanding think about our country we prayed for our country every day wasn't a, a season of prayer that we did not gather for 21 days at noon that in some form or fashion we did not pray for our country we love our country it is a great country and we hate the things that are going on but I can't control White House. I can't control the economy or what other countries are doing or what other people say other people are doing. But you know what I can control? My heart and my Christian life. And as a pastor, the church. So, you know, it's like, okay, it didn't, we're depending on the White House. Why don't we depend on the church house? If we have the peace that passes all understanding and we rejoice in the Lord always, one by one by one by one, we're going to see a people that honor and that fear God and they have this peace that passes all understanding. That's the greatest need. And I can't control them, but I can control me. Finally, brothers, I keep telling y'all Paul was Baptist. See, he stopped his sermon halfway through and he kept going for another hour. Finally, brothers, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is comprehensible, commendable, if there is any excellence, any just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, 
If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. So Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Don't be anxious for anything, but be that person of prayer. And then he says, but whatever is, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, Think on these things. What's he talking about? The mind. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, Paul would say. He says, keep your mind right. Think on these things. Where do we have access to our mind? The Word of God. I can find no greater place than to find that which is true, and honorable, and just, and pure, and lovely, and commendable, and excellent, and worthy of praise. And what the Word of God teaches me about God, my life, the gospel, my sanctification, my future glory in heaven, the importance of the church, how to live out the Christian life, what it means to be a follower. All these great things are found in the lovely Word of God, and they expose us to the glory and greatness of who God is and how that relates to me and how I fit into God's grand plan and design and the hope that we have in the future. And Paul is reminding the church at Philippi, and God is reminding us, think on these things. Can you imagine Paul sitting there when the Romans come? Up, oh, we are arrested. Here you go. What do you think he began to consume his mind in? The goodness of God. The promises of God. The word of God. The truth of God. If we think on these things, we're going to be a, a nervous wreck. You ever met that person? You bump into them at Walmart. There we go. I would never avoid people, but I've heard that some people do avoid people. You ever avoid that people that's always like, did you hear? Well, I was on the internet the other day. Did you hear? There's always something negative and always it's some doomsday event that's going to take place and something negative. And I've had these people come to me over time and say, well, I just can't have any friends. I wonder why. Just negative, 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 negative and doubt and worry and fear and care and worry and fear and everything. The sky is falling. It says to think on the things that are honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Think on these things. Yes, we may get news that something's not the way we want it. Do we think on those things or we think on these things? Whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen... Practice these things. You see what's going on here? Paul is saying, listen, I, we rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is a lifelong process of remembering and reflecting and living out. 
I'm constantly going back to those things that uh, whatever you have learned, whatever you have received, whatever you have heard, whatever you have seen in me, practice these things. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We learn to live these things out as we practice these things. My mind is consumed with the goodness and the justness and the glory and the righteousness of the Lord and I think on these things. I pay attention to what I listen to and what I watch because what comes in comes out. And I practice these things. I'll be the first to admit, I don't want to shock anybody here, I'm not a perfect pastor. I don't practice Roman Catholicism, but I guess, Joy, I did confess to you this morning. We had a little confessional booth in the pastor's office. I was like, oh. I'm not going to tell you what it was about. <laughs> but it's just one of those things. I just, I kind of out loud said, man, I, I'm struggling with this. And it wasn't a big deal. I mean, oh, my goodness. They'd be asking Sharon over the meal, what's going on? I was aggravated at myself because I let something aggravate me. You know, you get aggravated. You're like, I'm aggravated. Then you get aggravated because you get aggravated. I'm like, well, I got to preach. Well, then get, get right. Okay. Joy, forgive me. Father. <laughs> she said, go baptize five people and you'll be all right. I was okay. <laughs> but you're, you're, it's, you're, you're I think, that as we live the Christian life out to the fullest, I think our fault should be the most obvious. If we ever get used to doing what we know we don't need to do and we're just used to it, that's a sign of something spiritually going on there. It should bother you when things bother you. It should bother you when you say things or do things or don't do things or don't say things. It should bother you because we're practicing these things and practice makes perfect. Practice these things and the peace of God be with you. Twice we saw that, right? Be reasonable, don't be anxious, and the peace of God will guard your hearts. Think on these things, practice these things, then the peace of God will, again, with you. The peace of God is not something kind of floating around out there. The peace of God is with us, and if we live right and do right and believe right and worship right, we understand it's there. Therefore, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's not some verse that helps us fix something out there and we drudgingly find our joy in the midst of terrible things. Rejoice in the Lord always is something internally that comes out that helps us deal with life when things don't go our way. Verse 1. Now let's go to verse 2. My favorite, I don't even know how to say this. My favorite verse that we brutally butcher and Jesus in all verses. Philippians 4.13, what does it say? What is Philippians 4.13? I love it. I, my, my kids play travel ball. I wasn't one of those goofy travel ball parents like y'all are, but my kids play travel ball. Hey, why don't we make a sign before we run out and travel ball and put a scripture verse on it? We can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Yay! Why don't we put it on our face pane and we'll just say, I can do all. Let me tell you, it has nothing to do with winning a football game. 
But see, that's what we've done with these verses. We put these things out there, and if we can do this right, this happens. It's kind of like, I do like football. Jake Fromm. I love Jake Fromm. He's a Christian. Jake Fromm beat Oklahoma. I just give God all the glory. Praise the Lord Jesus. He just smiled down on the dogs today. Woof, woof, woof. He didn't say it quite like that. I'm embellishing it. Bad Oklahoma. They must have been sinful and the dogs are glorious. Oh, how things change. Next week, Alabama quarterback. Give God all the glory. We won because of Jesus. Amen. Well, did Fromm have a bad week? Did he lose his salvation the week before? Now God doesn't smile on the dogs anymore and he's going to smile on a stupid elephant? I mean, nobody has a pet. Nobody ever has a pet elephant or a pet gator. Well, somebody did, but they finally came and got it. But a lot of people, I mean, just think, just write, think about that out loud. Everybody loves a bulldog, right? But it, that's what we do. My ninth grade, my nine-year-old t-ball team is more holy than your nine-grade team because we've got scripture verses on everything, and my son wrote it on the bill of his cap, and God's going to, we're going to win because we can do all things through Christ. That's what was wrong with our world today. It's kind of that participation trophy mentality. We can do it because God's going to do it. We can do everything. You can't do nothing. For those that were there, you might not have been there, but I, I share this. May not ever get asked to speak again, but I spoke at one of the baccalaureate services, and the first thing I came out of my mouth is, I don't believe in a single one of you. You could hear grandmamas and aunties, and <gasps> but then I said, but I believe in the God that can do it through you. I don't believe in you. When I believe in you is when I have to go to joy and repent, because I'm putting my, my hope in a false thing. I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I can do these things. We're going to work harder than we've ever worked before and we'll never lose another ball game like this and I promise you we'll never lose again because I can do all things. Give me a break. Paul was facing his death and he told the church in the midst of all this, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 2 Corinthians, well, let me back up. Go back to Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians self know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into let me back up, I'm sorry. Verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. What, can, what are the all things that Christ can do through you? Give you contentment. 
That's, that's a whole, we, we've flipped that verse around now. It's not about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I work hard enough and I believe hard enough, I can obtain this prize. No, Paul says God can give you contentment in life. On your own, you cannot be content with nothing. Isn't that true? I didn't mean to be a downer today. You can ne- you'll never be content with anything on your own. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have contentment. You know what that word contentment means? Satisfied. Enough is enough. Earthly vessels, things, just satisfied. The gospel is enough. Jesus is enough. My church is enough. This preaching is enough. This singing is enough. The Spirit is enough. The God the Father is enough. God the Son is enough. God the Spirit is enough. I don't need anything else. God has given me everything I need. Enough is enough, and I am content. Paul goes on to say, I've been content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. If any in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You'll never look at that verse again the, the, the other way now, will you? It is not about obtaining something you've done great. It's not about being on the top of the mountain and the podium of the award. It's about understanding in a world that is so messed up, in a world that was, if I focus on, I will never be satisfied. I will never be content. I will never have enough. I can find that, and I can find it in Christ, but only through Christ who strengthens me can I do it. Time is short, but let me read. If you don't trust me, listen to Paul's life. If anybody can say, I rejoice, 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 I can do all things. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. If this would be one of us, we'd be having a special call prayer meeting for somebody to get us out of these difficulties. Listen to the life of Paul. I've got it wrote down here. Listen to the life of Paul. 2 Corinthians 11. Verse 24, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes. Can I say that out loud again? Take a whip, take your shirt off, and receive 39 lashes and tell me how that's going. Five times Paul said, I received 40 lashes minus one for being a Christian. Three times. I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. You know what we would be saying? <laughs> We'd go, that man's got some, he, he needs to get saved. Something's going on there. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Whew, I'm over here in my little first Baptist church and I'm going fine. He must not be walking with the Lord. Paul, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look what I'm doing. My little fancy church, and we're about to go celebrate our history, and I'm going to have fried chicken and banana pudding, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And just so you know, they keep some in the back for me for later also. (laughs) A day and a night I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers. Dangers from robbers, 
dangers from my, this is God's word, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at the sea, danger from the false brothers, verse 27, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. How about that for a life? Paul would stand up here if he had his shirt off and you would see the scars and the bruises and the broken bones and he would look at you and say, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians 12, the next chapter, verses 7 through 10. So keep me from becoming conceited. So to keep me... This is just, it makes me laugh. It is so opposite from the Christian life today. This is just completely opposite than your contemporary Christian radio and your Christian bookstore thinking. Okay, just listen to this. To keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of a revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So instead of having this emotional high that we need to always be, you know, and I love Christian music and I love, all, I love the song Good, Good Father. He's a good, good father. But if that's the, you know, he is a good, good father. Please don't take this the wrong way. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. I'm having chicken at lunch and Sharon won't let me eat it. He's a good, good father. My ninth grade T-ball team won. He's a good, good father. I got what I wanted out of life. He's a good, good father. No, on that 37th and 38th and 39th lash, Paul said he's a good, good father. Naked and shipwrecked and in prison, he's saying he's a good, good father. So we've taken the Christian life and turned it into this emotional rush of just everything's got to be positive and everything's got to be great and you're never sick and you're never lonely and you're never hurting and you're never in despair and you have everything you want. And it's just not true. When the world changes around you and the circumstances changes around you, you understand he is a good, good father. His grace is sufficient. He, I can do all things because regardless of these things, I know I'm his here. Three times I pleaded with the Lord that it should leave me, but he said to me, I'm not going to take it away. Evidently, and there's different things you could look at this. Paul had terrible eyesight. They say he could barely write. And he, he just, we know that as we read the letters. It says it's a messenger of Satan. It could be a person. Can you imagine that nagging, unbiblical, heretical person everywhere Paul went, just nagging him and nagging him and nagging him. And he said, Lord, take him away. And he goes, God said, I'm not going to take it away because I want you to stay on your face before me. And then the Lord says to Paul, he says to us, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Paul could sing good, good father and get it right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Last verse and we'll end here. Notice in, back to Philippians, verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Three verses, we kind of throw them around. I don't want to be unreverent or unbiblical with these things. We just throw them around. But this is how we finish. This is how, wherever you are in life, this is how we make a decision today that I can move forward. Because I can rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I know that I can do all things in Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. I know that God will supply every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul was thankful. The only church that came alongside Paul to support his ministry was the church at Philippi. This is money right here. The only church that would, that would financially support Paul was the church at Philippi. And Paul understood, Philippi, you don't have anything. You don't have anything, but yet you're giving everything for the sake of the gospel. And Paul says, listen, I'm not worried about you because my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What a word. Yes, that is money. Yes, that is material. Yes, that is tangible items. But just think about the spiritual aspects of that. God will supply all of your needs. You are his. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He opened up his eyes to who he was so that you could receive that wonderful message of Christ. And by grace through faith, you become adopted into the household and the family of God. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You are his. He is going to meet every need if you will allow him to. Paul's in jail. <laughs> do, you see the, do you see what's going on here? The world would say that Paul must be in a grand palace, some theological theologian ivory tower somewhere. He's at a, a mega church pastor somewhere. No, he's in jail. He has nothing. But he has everything. 21 days stops today or does it? Our past, it stops today or it doesn't. Who we are in Christ, do we have a plan? Do we get discouraged about the task? We sing, we always write down as we're singing, we will remember why? Because of the works of your hand. Then we sang, great is thy faithfulness. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, we love you because you first loved us. What an awesome truth.
you've saved us, we are redeemed, we are born again, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have a new life in Christ, we are new creations. Lord God, thank you for saving us. Help us to understand, Lord, how great you truly are so that we can live this life out with joy and peace and purpose. And that's where we place our hope. So, Lord, as we sing today, as we contemplate, as we wrestle with your word in our heart, let us be faithful, obedient, and follow after you. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.